think that people like David Robinson and, and uh, these top-notch athletes would just have gotten it somewhere along the way. But what's been fascinating is to see the physical genius of these individuals, but they're just like you and I. They're just like you and I. They have, they have fears. They have doubts. Um, and they're trying to get better, and they want to know, what can I do to, to get better? I've seen some amazing things. I've seen people do things that, uh, that you know, others of us just dream about. It was fascinating to watch the Spurs as they came on. They were the worst in the league. Two years later, they win it all. Of course, Tim Duncan had a whole lot to do with that. But to see worst to first, to see a guy that wasn't even on the PGA Tour go out and win a victory after we did some things together. And again, all I did was just try to flip a switch to help a guy get to the Olympics and watch him compete as an Olympian to work with several national championship teams and just watch them romp through and go to win the national championship. It's been fascinating sitting on the sideline watching these people perform to the highest of their capabilities. That's my job, to help people succeed, to be the best they can be, to teach people to reach their fullest potential. And that's the platform I'm coming from tonight. I'm in the business of success. And I want to talk to you tonight about success. And I want to talk to you tonight about a topic that so many of us don't talk about. And especially coaches, who I talk with on a daily basis. And that is, why does success let us down? Isn't that amazing? Let me start with a reading from a guy named James Cavanaugh. I read this a couple of, uh, a writing. I, I read this a couple of years ago and it, it just stopped me cold in my tracks. It's called Somewhere Along the Way. Somewhere along the way, a persistent voice taught me I was in competition with every other man in the world. I listened carefully and learned the lesson well. It was not enough to find a loving wife and have average happy kids, to see a sunrise and wonder at an eclipsing moon, to enjoy a meal and catch a trout in a silent silver river, to picnic in a meadow at the top of a mountain, or ride horses along the rim of a hidden lake to laugh like a child at midnight and still wonder about falling stars. No, it was only enough to be admired and powerful and to rush from one success to another, to barely see faces or hear voices, to ignore beauty and forget about music, to reduce everything and everybody to a stereo color pattern on the way to some new triumph, to rest in no victory but to create new and more demanding goals even as I seemed to succeed, until finally I was estranged and exhausted, victorious and joyless, successful but ready to abandon life. Then somewhere along the way, I remember the laugh of a child I once knew. I saw a familiar boy wandering joyfully in the woods. I felt the heart pounding with excitement at the birth of a new day until I was in competition with no one and life was clear again somewhere along the way. Why do so many successful men and women, why do so many successful men and women seem to be so unhappy, so empty, and so unfulfilled. Let me ask that again. Why are so many successful people so unhappy, so empty, unsatisfied, 
and unfulfilled. Do you ever wonder about that? Do you ever wonder about it in your life? As you seek this thing and you accomplish this goal and you find that after you do it, its meaning wasn't quite what you thought it would be. So we move again to the next one and we think, well, maybe that one will solve the issue that's somewhere in my heart. My contention is that many of us and many of those people that we know that seem to be so unhappy, yet so success-driven, somewhere along the way they got into the wrong race, the wrong game. Let me explain it this way. When I was a professor at the University of Kansas, one of the theses that my students did was very eye-opening in this area. He studied 386 Little League baseball players from Kansas City, the 3-2 and two league, the best league. And he asked each of these kids, there were 12 per team, he asked each of these kids three questions. Here's the three questions. Who on this team would you most like to be friends with? Write their name in the blank. Who on this team would you most like to play catch with? Put their name in the blank. Who on this team would you most like to have come spend the weekend with you and your family? Just put their, their name in the blank. Then we asked the coaches to rate these kids by pure athletic ability according to their, their uh, uh, opinion. We asked them to rate these kids by uh, batting average. And we also looked at the position that they played on the field. We threw it in the computer. We did some correlations, meaning relationship looking. And we found the highest correlations of any thesis that I was involved with at the University of Kansas. And the findings went something like this. The kid they wanted to play catch with was who? The best player. The kid they wanted to be uh, friends with was who? The best player. The kid they wanted to have come spend the weekend with them and their family was the best player. You see, somewhere along the way, in this culture of ours, men learn early in life, if we do something well, we're more accepted. And when we feel more accepted, we feel more worthy. And as we feel more worthy, we begin to tie our identity into that which we do to get this acceptance and this worthiness. And so somewhere along the way, as we're kids, we find out if I do that well, I'm more important. I'm worth more. And we go through life, and this formula comes along with us. We call it the great American trap. It goes something like this. My self-worth in life equals my performance plus the opinions of others. That particular formula came out of a book called Man's Search for Significance. I believe it's the great American trap. It's a formula that fuels many of our lives. We find ourselves on this treadmill early in life of acceptance and worthiness. And we migrate to those things that we do well. And we feel good at when we do those things well. And we, we get accepted and we get pats on the back and we get promotions. We make more money and we move through the through our lives and all of a sudden we find out that we've been on this relentless treadmill of success for our whole life and we're pretty tired. And we also understand something else that that none of those successes has ever fulfilled us for any length of time. But we keep running faster and faster, trying to feed that self-worth that's based on this formula of the American culture. My contention is many of us enter the wrong race. 
my work with these athletes has proven unequivocally this, that success never fulfills. Now, I told you what I do for a living, so when you heard that statement, there might be a little bit of credibility behind it. I've seen athletes do the most amazing things and see the unfulfillment within days after that, over and over and over. Success, in and of itself, the scoreboard success does not fulfill, and you know what I mean. Ravi Zacharias, one of the great evangelists in our country, says this, that the loneliest moment in life is when you achieve the ultimate and it lets you down. Before the Super Bowl last year, I heard a pro football player exclaim this, and they wrote it in the paper. I would give anything, even my wedding ring, for a Super Bowl ring. Where are you? We shouldn't be surprised at all. In fact, as we look at Ecclesiastes, we see... This told to us many, many years ago. The richest man that ever lived. We think this book was written by Solomon. If not, it's somebody very close to him. The richest man who had it all, had everything. We'll talk a little bit more about him tomorrow. But he left us this message in Ecclesiastes in the second chapter, verse 10. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. How could a guy that had it all say something like that? That's pretty discouraging to me. Especially in the business I'm in where I'm trying to help people get to where they want to go. What's the point?